to Iconic Talk. This is your community's podcast with conversations about real estate, local happenings, and all things Winchester, Virginia. I'm Mark Francis, a local realtor, broker, and owner at Icon Real Estate. And my name is Megan Eanes, a local real estate agent for 20 years and part of the Icon Real Estate team. Mark and I are excited to share everything that we love about Winchester, Virginia with you. We want you to be an informed, savvy real estate consumer in today's ever-changing market. Yep. If you want local knowledge, you've come to the right place. We are now mid-smack dab at the summer, middle of July. Love it. The the weather's here. The summer's here. You know, I'm already talking to my rising senior about like school it's i mean it's really close it's right around the corner you know a few weeks ago we had matt lofton on talking about cross-country practice pierce is in the midst of that right now we're i mean we're only a couple weeks away i feel like from now the start of school it's it's insane why do the summers keep going faster and faster faster i blame the schools it's all about the public school systems and when the kids get out of school and when they start school i mean they're starting i think in like august I want to say 11th for the city and maybe the 15th or 16th yeah, it's for the, the county. 15th for the county. I blame the schools. I don't know. Go back to the good old days where it was after Labor Day and, you know, you had a full three months of summer. Those days are over. Well, I those, don't know. Those were the good old days. No, the, we'll, we will be those old people reminiscing about <laughs> the good right. old days, right? Remember when we actually had summer break? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you and I get a little chance to relax for a little bit, you know, so we get some vacations coming up and. We'll talk about that maybe next episode. We'll see. Right. But I'm excited about our conversation today. You know, historically, over the last several weeks, we've been bouncing back and forth between you and I just having conversations or then having somebody on to interview, having somebody on to interview just for the community, the, the local social scene here. And today we have some people who can speak some truth and some information about accounting and what I call bean counters you know like i i probably will insult them a little bit if i did. can i call accountants bean counters we should have asked them yeah how well, do you feel about that it's term? okay I, i'll go ahead and do it anyway that's fine because i i have a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law who are accountants um i grew up in business school you know going to wake forest um it's funny because i, I was thinking to myself should i get into accounting i had a friend who um, was in accounting at Wake Forest, and they said, take a class, see what you think, and uh, whatever grade you get in that first opening class, guaranteed that is what your grades are going to be for the rest of your career. I went in, and I was just a young kid, and I got A's in high school, and I'm like, eh, I'll just wing it. I'll figure it out. Didn't really put in much work. Got a C. And, and I remembered that friend telling me, if you get a C, you're going to continue to get C's in accounting because it only gets harder. <laughs> so that was it. And that was it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Uh, the number crunching for me is just uh, for the fun of it, not for being a professional. And, and here I am right. many years later, uh, owning a business, crunching my own numbers, as we talked about last week with crunching appraisal numbers. Yes. Here we are. We get a chance to talk to professionals. So. And it was a, it, you know, so looking forward to this conversation. Yes, because they are Carrie Burkhart and Jonathan Motichka from Hoddle and Willis. Here locally in town, we're going to get a chance to hear all about them, their personal stories, but then some fun tips. So here's our conversation with the guys from Hoddle and Willis. Well, we're here with Jonathan and Carrie from Hoddle and Willis. How are you guys? 
We're doing well. Yeah? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, we've been wanting to have you guys on for a while. And I know that, like, tax season is challenging for people who are in the accountant world. Yeah? That like, would be true. <laughs> and so I probably did you guys a disservice by saying, hey, come on board and let's let's have a chat, like, January, February. That probably was not ideal. It wasn't. Right? I think it was actually March. Am I? So, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yes. Yeah. And that's probably even worse time frame. So it could, have, it could have been the first of April. I mean, that could have been worse. That, mm-hmm. that could have been worse. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for being here now in your slower summer off season. Of course. And let's just get a chance to get to know you guys. So, um, Carrie, I'll start with you. Just give us a little bit of background. Where are you from? How'd you get into this world here? So I was born in Northern Virginia and grew up in Fairfax County. And um, I relocated to Jefferson County, West Virginia, my sophomore year of high school, uh, which was a little... um, change, a little cultural shift for me, Um, and graduated from Jefferson High and moved on to Shepherd. I went to Shepherd College. Cool. uh, So did I. Okay, good. Yeah, it was a college when I Yes, same here. Yeah. And graduated with my accounting degree there. Um, Family-wise, I have a husband who I'm getting ready to celebrate our 20-year wedding anniversary in November. And we have one 18-year-old son who is getting ready to start his college career in Morgantown at WVU. Wow, Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. So you only have the one son. One son. So you're about ready to be like an empty nester. Empty nester, yeah. So where where did he graduate from? He graduated from Hedgesville High. So we live in Berkeley County in Martinsburg, and he's a Hedgesville High School grad. Yep. So mm-hmm. you're kind of sticking close to your roots there of the mm-hmm. West Virginia area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet working in Winchester. Working in Winchester. And Love it. We did live in Winchester for a short time uh, when we were first married, my husband and I, and love the Winchester area. And he has family in Martinsburg. So we yeah. moved there to be closer to his family. And <clears throat> my desire is to get back here to Winchester once we had our son we didn't want to move them out of school and sure. all the things. And sure. uh, we bought in the high market back in 05. <laughs> oh, so yay. that was another reason we've stuck where we are. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jonathan, how about you? So I grew up in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I actually went to Shepherd, but it was university. Uh, oh, a lot okay. younger. Go yeah. Rams. <laughs> all right. He's a bit younger. <laughs> and uh, got an internship in Winchester my junior year, going into my senior year, and just loved the area hmm. and got offered a job. Mine was coming out of the Great Recession, and uh-huh. it was kind of, hey, job a year before you graduate during that time was awesome. Yep. And then yep. moved here, fell in love with the area. Met my wife here at Union Jacks, um, and oh, I wow. just found out today that Megan was her babysitter. <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Right. yes, I was. Very, very Hi, small world. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we're, have worked in Winchester for the last eleven years. Really like it. Um, my wife is a neonatal nurse practitioner at Valley Health. Cool. Uh, obviously, family grew up here, so we're we're gonna be here. You're gonna uh, be here. Be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little passion about this area, this mm-hmm. region. A little bit of West Virginia passion. I see mm-hmm. that as right. well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Winchester is a cool place. Winchester is a very cool place, and I've spent 21 years of my career here. So I feel that I like to tell people that. My life is really here um, right. as far as my community involvement, our business involvement, my relationships, and then, you know, my church and uh, school life yeah. is 
in Martinsburg. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and we want to dive in a little bit about business. And before we get into the weeds of the what I call bean counting world, um, which I'm, I kind of have a, an accounting card I can play. Both my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are accountants. So I call them bean counters all the time. That's kind of my little loving, just, you know, <laughs> just gesture to say, okay, yes, that's what you do. And I'm sure we can get more into the weeds of that where it's more than just bean counting, right? Of course. Of course. Yes. <laughs> but what made you, what drew you into accounting? What, what kind of got you excited about that world and that line of work? So my high school actually started business classes and it was junior high, actually. So I took my first business class, and the teacher at the time said, hey, what do you think about accounting? And honestly, as an eighth, ninth grader, I have no idea what accounting yeah. is. And yeah. she said, you should take that class. And I took it, enjoyed it, took a second year, enjoyed it, and I started getting the questions, where are you going to college? What's your major? Mm-hmm. Are you playing basketball in school? All the kind of, and it was just on repeat. And every time I said, I don't know, I got a lot of questions or yeah. comments. Hey, you should try this or that. So finally, I said, I'm going to make up my mind and try accounting. Got to Shepherd, loved it, and kind of the rest is history. That's cool. I mean, you have to like and appreciate math, right? <laughs> and I, I feel like there's a stigma with math that people and kids growing up get scared of it, you know? But there's something, I think, something fun about, like, knowing that you've got the right answer, <laughs> right? And knowing that, like, when you add everything up and you have things reconciled, it it all adds up, and there's well, like and it's a, consistent. I mean, math yeah. is consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Carrie, how about you? What got you into that world? Uh, similar. I um, in high school uh, took a business class and had some accounting uh, fundamentals in it, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, my dad came from a business background. He and my mom both were Shepherd grads too, and but my dad had a business education, so it was kind of one of those things that it was always one of those understood family, you know, you're going to go into some type of business education. Mm. So um, that's really where I I always knew, I think. And in high school, I when I was asked, what, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go into accounting. I didn't really know what that meant at the time as far as what my career would look like. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> and then I had an opportunity to do several internships when I was in college at different I, industries. I did one in industry, one for the IRS, and then one for a public accounting firm, and decided that public accounting was really where I wanted to be, Mm. and took a job um, after completing that internship at a firm in Charlestown, and then stayed there for my early years in my career, and then um, came to Winchester in 2001. So give us a little bit of a background of, like, coming into Winchester, Hoddle and Willis. Um, what, What is the scope of that firm? What does that look like? So... It today it looks much different than what it did uh, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so the firm has been here in Winchester since '71. So we just recently celebrated 50 years. Wow! And um, the firm has changed leadership over the last 20 years, predominantly in the last uh, five years, really, with uh, Mo and I changing and we're both partners in the firm and managing things um but we've just been ingrained in the community over the years and mm-hmm. built relationships with individual and business clients and nonprofits in the area mm-hmm. and um that's is it is it like a, a mixed bag of working with individual personal returns and like business yeah i would say customers it's a, a good mix um i think we we enjoy the variety hmm. um it's not 
a lot of times with the accounting, you're doing the same thing over and over. But the neat thing is working with various businesses. Everyone's got a new scenario, new something, and it's kind of how can we throw our touch in to make them more successful, yeah. uh, maybe give them an idea they didn't think of, and just kind of let them them run with it. We're kind of their kind of coach in the background when they need something. We're kind of there for them. Cool. Yeah, and it seems like it has more personal touch to mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm. I think we like for our firm to – use the tagline we care about the story behind the numbers so we really are into relationships and add value that way whether um if you're someone just looking for a return prep without an added value relationship you know we may not be the right fit for you because we really do try to get to know our clients their business grow with them over the years Mm. you know we have lots of clients we've had for generations Mm. and gotten to see their families grow and develop and change and um, we have a lot of young clients, too, that are, you know, starting their families, their businesses, and it's just fun to help them in that regard and get to know the people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm mockingly called accountants bean counters. I get that. But what's a stereotype? Like, what's, what, what, what's something that you guys want to overcome or maybe you can throw out there to the listening audience of, like, this is, like, this is something that we do beyond above just counting numbers. So I do a lot of I've over the years I've done a lot of things. So yeah. I'm just gonna excuse me. Okay. Um, we've we've done things like I personally I've over the years helped clients transition from a home to assisted living. I've mm. helped in that capacity, just where they've needed help or assistance. Um, <clears throat> it's um, talking them through decisions. Um, that may be more psychological than financial. Um, as an example, mm. they might have a rental property that's states away, and it's creating them so much anxiety because they can't take care of it, they can't manage it, and it's actually having that conversation. You know, what would you do, Carrie? Would you know? So sometimes the decisions may not all be financial. I think there can be a psychological element to that. Sounds like a realtor, right? <laughs> right? I, no, yeah. it's, right. It a is. little bit of a therapist, mm-hmm. a little bit of a yes. counselor, yes. a little bit of just a life coach. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And for, for different stages of life, you know, I mean, I was uh, before I came today was talking to a, a client who is going through some transition with uh, a loss of a relative and trying to decide what direction they want to take with their business. And mm. so it's those kind of things where there's not a black and white yeah. bean, co- bean counter yeah. Yeah. answer, right? Yeah. There's, Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be offending you guys <laughs> no, here. No, you're not offended. You. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, so yes. And the but, big thing, yeah. too, is COVID the past few years, it's been, it's been a challenge on everyone. I think that's when we've really been able to step in right. and help and don't make that rash decision. Let's... Let's talk about it. Let's let's set a plan in place. Interesting. Let's... I mean, did COVID impact anything with you guys? Like, what, <laughs> what were the changes with that? So the I, the biggest thing was that really got us that was kind of our first and foremost was right when COVID hit, the PPP came out, the Paycheck Protection mm. Program. And mm. it was a lot of businesses were forced to shut down, were on, maybe didn't have the cash flow, couldn't, couldn't operate. And it was how could we get them funds as fast as we could. Right. And it was kind of working with the local banks, our clients. And just really trying to get get those funds to help them survive the few month stretch that a lot of business was completely shut down, yeah. and then carry them too until it got to at least some sense of normalcy. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about the accounting standpoint of just you guys partnering with businesses mm-hmm. to where you're keeping them afloat and coaching them through that. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. super helpful. Yeah. 
All right, well, give us a rundown of what a typical day at work looks like for you. So I think we like, we're accountants, <laughs> pretty type A, like to have our plan, but we are in the service business. So yep. you'll get that email that you see at seven o'clock that someone has something urgent that they need that throws your day off, mm-hmm. that they may, the bank needs something to close a loan. Um, mm-hmm. We've noticed that, yes, a lot of people are closing loans. House is fast now, we've noticed, mm-hmm. and it's trying to get all their ducks in a row to get done by that date. And I think we've noticed that with potential recession coming, just interest rates fluctuating. The underwriters, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they're asking a lot more questions than even six months before. So it's kind of like something like that may pop up or someone give us a call. Hey, I want to take money out of my 401k for this. What are the tax implications Mm -hmm. of that? Or, hey, we're looking to merge or sell our business. It's just kind of things like that pop up and you kind of have to shift your whole day um, to kind of... It's interesting you're you're talking about real estate transactions. You know, it's as one of my spiels and pitches as a listing agent or even a buyer's agent, I'll say, you know, I do real estate. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial advisor. You know, go to the professionals for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe people are listening to me out there and they're they're coming to you guys and they're looking for those advice because that's – that's at least how I coach them. Like, you know, talk to the people who know more about the money and the numbers than us realtors do. And it's always good to come before rather than after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Because, yeah, we've had some, you know, pretty bleak conversations when someone's come after and said, this is what I did. Hmm. Or hmm. I thought I, you know, I thought I did this. I'm like, well, no, uh, this is what you did. So it is important to have that discussion, especially if it's going to generate some kind of taxable transaction. Yeah. It's good to know ahead of time what you're looking at. Well, it's funny you bring that up. So speaking of real estate, for our listening audience out there who might be buying or selling or in the midst of doing that here in this season, the the tax year is a calendar cycle, calendar year. So what should they be thinking through? Are there... Give us some specific tips that that buyers or sellers should be thinking through, like you just said, to be proactive instead of reactive. So I think uh, from a buyer perspective, um, a question that we commonly get when purchasing a property is what cost can I deduct? Can I deduct my closing costs? Mm. And um, so that's something that we address a lot. Uh, the short answer is not really. You cannot right. not deduct those closing costs. There are certain costs that are deductible from that HUD-1. So I think it's important that you grab that HUD-1. And if you are using a professional tax preparer to let them have a copy of that so that you can deduct points or uh, prorated real estate taxes if you've paid them at closing, those kind of expenses. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really important. Um, I think the number one tip that we have always is we ask for those HUD ones always. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep that record those are just of the, the purchase. Closing that's the closing statement. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I think that's key because if you get once you go to sell your home, a lot of times it's not our job to keep your records, but right. we'll keep it in a permanent file that right. ten years down the line you decide to sell and I can't remember what I paid mm-hmm. for it and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's there or um 
a bank may need some somebody may need it different that hey here's or we need a basis we're converting it to rental we've kind of got those documents yeah. there and and also keep it in a permanent file at your house and us um, as real estate agents we keep those files too the title company the closing company where you are they keep the files i've had a couple times at the beginning of the of each calendar year where my clients have called me and said hey i need this closing mm-hmm. document do you have that and i'm like great mm-hmm. i'll take care of it for you i'm mm-hmm. glad you called me yeah but being proactive keeping that and then knowing, okay, are there tax write-offs? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what yeah. people are really looking for. I tell my clients every time they sell something, you know, keep this. You're going to need it next year mm-hmm. on your taxes. And, of course, with the whole I am not an accountant, I am not an attorney, <laughs> exactly. but you might want to just keep this document because you may need it next year. Right. So that's right. Yeah. Keep it right. handy. And there are um, statements at closing when you're buying a house that they'll – run by you that are like, okay, have you been living in your house for the last X number of years? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he, here's the tax forms that you need to fill out. Like, w- what are some things to think through when you're going through closing when they ask those kind of questions? And yes. why are they asking those questions? So from a seller perspective. So then... se- seller perspective, if you own the house for two of the five years, two of the past five years mm-hmm. and lived in the house and used it as your primary residence for two, two of the last five years, if you're single, you can exclude up to $250,000 of the gain. Mm-hmm. And if you're married, filing joint, it's 500000 okay. So there's a huge uh, potential non-taxable event, even if your house appreciates in value. Like and a benefit, and you just have to have lived there two out of the last five mm-hmm. years. Yeah, it's an ownership. Right? There's an ownership and use test. And so you have to have ownership of the home, obviously. And then you have to use it as your principal residence for at least two out of the last five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not much. No. And you can't use this. So it's, it's uh, section 121 exclusion is what the IRS um, code section is. And you can only do it once in the two out of five year period. Right. So you can't do multiple homes. um, But you. So if you did have two homes, You'd have to live in the first one, two mm-hmm. of the fat last five years. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. And then if yep. you're fortunate enough to have a second home, you yep. can go there after that two-year period's over, live there two of the mm-hmm. past five, and get another exclusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some strategies involved there really to are, think through. There are. And I think that is a question we are presented with a lot when folks sell their homes because – some people honestly don't know. They, they're like, how am I going to have to pay tax on this? Mm-hmm. They don't realize that. And so with this exclusion, it's a great benefit. And pre, I believe it was pre-97, you know, you used to be able to roll the gain over. I still have clients who think, can I roll my gain into my new house? I mm-hmm. said, no, that's, you know, we don't, that law is no longer um, in effect, but here's what you can do. And so I think it's a great benefit for people. I've seen lots of sighs of relief when they realize, hey, we don't have to, pay tax on this gain. Now we have had cases where the gain, the property is appreciated so much in value that there is a taxable gain, right? right? And so I think in those cases, it's really important for taxpayers to accumulate their basis. So they improvements to the property that they've made over the years. Okay. So that we're adding to the basis of the property to help mitigate the gain and reduce the tax on that gain. Okay. So you added a new deck for 10000 Jot that on a piece of paper. And then mm-hmm. the next year we remodeled our kitchen, 50000 or whatever it would be, and just start accumulating mm-hmm. that, that. Do you need to keep receipts? Like, what, like, what are the like, – <laughs> I mean, how many receipts? I mean, I, I got to go to Lowe's and buy something for $5, you know, and 
I'm probably not keeping a receipt for no, that. No, and I think for $5, I mean, I think we're talking substantial improvements okay. over the period of time. You know, so if you finish your basement, for example, if you, you know, put in a driveway, um, if a lot of times what we've seen is a lot of expense to sell the property. Mm-hmm. So maybe new painting, and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of costs. That's all added to the basis of that property. And you can write it off? Like what's You the, add it to the basis. Add it to the basis. Mm-hmm. You okay. add it to the basis of the property. So in a simple example... If we had a property that we bought for $100,000 and we're a single taxpayer and we sell it for $500,000, well, you have a potential 400 you know, gain before the exclusion. Mm-hmm. And so we can take off 250 and but you're still left with a taxable gain. So it's how can we add to that original $100,000 basis mm-hmm. to get that basis up so that some of that gain is not taxable. Got it. Now, does your closing cost count into that? Because isn't that an expense, obviously, to sell your property? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a big chunk usually with, Mm -hmm. you know, once you have that. So, yes. You know, and we don't see that too terribly often. I mean, I've seen it most. De- Recently, it's start. I mean, as you guys know, <laughs> right? With the mar- right, we have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and particularly, um, I've seen it in a lot of cases where clients have lived in their home since like the 60s or 70s where it is you know and it's amazing right how much Mm -hmm. as you all know yep or maybe coming from the city Mm -hmm. tired of the city life and wanting to come to winchester and have some more land so Mm yeah people are doing that yeah and they're moving from the city here and they're realizing the price differences Mm -hmm. are significant and there could be people that are making some serious money on Mm -hmm. selling their multi-million dollar place Mm -hmm. and then moving here I recently had to go through a realtor continuing education where they made us learn, made me learn uh, 1031 exchanges. Mm-hmm. How does that play into the factor of not avoiding taxes, but using the system and the rules in play to to defer, to defer tax. tax taxes? So it's Section 1031 exchange is for business property, rental property. So that would not um, – for personal rent personal residence, principal residence, this would not apply. Mm -hmm. But for rental property, you can do what's called a 1031 exchange, and that's where you identify a property that you want to buy of like 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 kind, kind, and um, you exchange it for that property. And so then the gain on the old property basically gets deferred, and it essentially reduces the basis in the new property Mm -hmm. because you're going to There'll be a day of reckoning for that at some point. What's important on the like-kind exchange is that buyers must use a qualified intermediary to affect the transaction. Hmm. So it's very important if you have someone interested in that, that they just don't go ahead and sell the property and say, okay, I'm going to use these proceeds and buy a new one and do a like-kind exchange. IRS will not allow. That is not allowed. It's got to be a thought-through process. It does. Go through and you the, have an intermediary yep. because you can't hold title to that property. You have to go through the intermediary to exchange that property t- in order for it to receive the like-kind treatment. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the general. It can get Obviously, a lot right. more complicated. Yes. So, yes. as our Trust lawyer me. would yes. say, yes. Uh, we're not providing right. any tax advice. Yes. I was going to say that. Tax yes. <laughs> this is basic, generic, you know. Um, yes. 
elementary accounting advice. 101. Correct. Yes. Trust Do not me. rely on this for your own. My uh, brain was exploding taking that continuing <laughs> yes. education course. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's very complicated. Weeds. And you yes. can do reverse like kind exchanges. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many different scenarios, but it is a good it's a good tool to use, particularly for folks that are looking to continue to invest in property mm-hmm. and to help mitigate the tax consequences in the current environment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That, that's good. Anything else that you can think of from a tip standpoint that you, you think that we should walk away with? I, I do have one more tip yeah. that is very uh, important, I think, from a seller perspective. So if you do sell your home and it is it is under the gain exclusion, so it's not taxable, it's still very important if you receive a 1099-S that you do report that on your return. Because even though it's not taxable, IRS will match up that 1099-S. And if that is not reported on your return, you will get a hmm. notice likely with a huge balance due. Hmm. Uh, and we've had some clients get that and panic because they did not provide the 1099-S. It's just reporting it to IRS saying, hey, I sold my home. Yep. This was what it what I sold it for. You report the cost basis. If it's under that $250,000 gain limit for, mar- for single or 500 for married filing joint, it's fine. It's just a reporting mechanism, but yeah. they do match those things up. So I Good. do recommend um, that for clients. And you guys are obviously the professionals. You're going to remember these things for your clients, right? Like, we do. Yeah, we do. As we, long as we know, that we they... know about it. Yes, <laughs> there are <laughs> there surprises we get. Sure. I mean, you know, I have finished returns and then been told, "Oh, we moved," or um, oh, "We had a we had a baby." Oh, okay. You know, so, it's so there staying are in touch. It's like it just is, a little bit of the know? communication. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. what's an average? I mean, how often are you staying in touch with your clients? I think for individual clients, a lot of times there's not, there's often not a need really mm-hmm. to have a lot of communication during the year unless there's a life change or something different. A lot of times we get calls when they change a job or are retiring mm-hmm. or um, receive maybe an inheritance or sell a lot of stock at a huge gain. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of things where they just want to know where, where am I going to stand. Um, for business clients, it's more continuous, just to help provide advice during the year if they're making any kind of decisions, particularly when it comes to asset purchases, equipment, vehicles, those Mm -hmm. kind of things. So Good. um, Yeah. yeah. I think the only other thing probably should hit on is mortgage interest. Yes. Um, Obviously, rates have skyrocketed. Yep. So for the past, since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they increased the standard deduction to, it was about 25-ish thousand last year for merit filing joint. And they limit it to the state and local taxes. So unless you had a big mortgage, I mean, rates were at 3%, you'd need almost a half a million dollar house purchase mortgage to even come close mm-hmm. to um, itemize unless you had large charitable donations or medical expenses. With rates going up to 6%, housing prices jumping. If you buy a $400,000 house, let's do 500 so I can do it. Easy math. math. Yeah. Easy math. 500000 at 6%, what's that, 30000 mm-hmm. a yep. year worth yep. of mortgage interest. Um, now you're over the standard deduction. So mm-hmm. a lot of people purchase these houses this year. Not that it got overly complicated, but it's just something to look out for when they're filing their their own taxes this That's year. Good. Is actually evaluate, yeah. is standard deduction better or um, should I itemize this yeah. year? That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. And then one other thing to note, too, is the um, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act made some changes to mor- mortgage interest limitation for indebted- indebtedness over 
750000 So if you have folks buying a house with a mortgage over 750000 there are limitations on how much mortgage interest you can deduct. Mm. So for mortgages after, I believe it's December 15, 2017. So that's just important planning, too, that yeah. if you have somebody buying a house and taking a mortgage on that for, say, a million dollars, that not all of that interest is going to be deductible. Interesting. Wow. So, well, yeah. leave it to the professionals. That is that <laughs> right. is my motto because thank you. I mean, you guys know all those things. You, got, you have to stay on top of the rules and regulations and all the different things changes. that changes and coming and goings. Mm-hmm. Well, before we let you go, we have five iconic questions that we ask all of our people. <laughs> okay. You are now in the hot seat. First thing that comes to mind, okay, these are easy questions, all right? So what is one of your favorite restaurants in town? Mine's pretty easy. Okay. The kids, they love Oakstone. Oakstone. So Oakstone's yep. number one, and then they like Water Street and um, 50-50. Nice. All downtown. Yeah. yeah. I love Oakstone as well. However, I also like Cafe del Sol. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And they deliver. They do. And yes. um, he, so um, Dave Kelly, who is in Rotary with me, he's a great community partner. Mm-hmm. And so I love what he does uh, in the community yeah. too. To yeah. They folks. partner with mm-hmm. SSMT, mm-hmm. I know, and mm-hmm. host parties yep. and stuff. It's yep. great. Yep. yep. Awesome. Question number two. What is something you love about your neighborhood? I love uh, my neighbors. We've the been there. The people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been there for close to 16, 17 years now. Mm. So we have some good neighbors. I also love the fact that where our house is, we're on a cul-de-sac. So mm. we have a nice wooded lot and not a lot of traffic. Nice. Yeah. Mo? I would say the uh, Abrams Creek Preserve. Our kids love riding their bikes there. So we can kind of cool. go through the neighborhood and and do that and little pass yeah, trails to go back it's, there it's nice yeah it's awesome so you've kind of touched on this a little bit but why is winchester a great place to live or the surrounding area i enjoy it i think it's a great place to raise our kids we've got three now so the schools have been been great so far uh, i feel like there's kind of various activities to do um they've gone to seeing a couple of exhibits at the Museum of Shenandoah Valley, yeah. the Discovery Museum. I feel like yep. there's kind of for a small town, not yep. but a good sized town. There's a, there's a lot to do, yep. um, especially for our kids, mm-hmm. for families, yeah, mm-hmm. for families. For me, I love the community sense. There's so many great, worthy nonprofits, things to do, volunteer to help. I think there's a great sense of community mm-hmm. in Winchester and the come togetherness, and that's what I love. I love for me walking down on the walking mall and. I always see at least two or three people that I know. Right. Yes. That's <laughs> and true. And I just think that's so cool. A little small town vibe. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's got some cool perks to it. It does. Yep. All right. So where do you meet or spend time with new friends in Winchester? I would – everything's around my kids now. <laughs> yeah, kids. So there kind you go. of uh, the parks, the, the, the museum. The parent locations, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Locations. <laughs> I like going to the espresso bar downtown for coffee. Uh, that's a cool place to go. I love the Shenandoah Valley um, Museum because the the gardens. I love the mm-hmm. gardens there. Um, so that's a fun place to go. Or the, the trails now yeah. just to go 
take a walk. You're touching on all the fun things. I mm-hmm. love it. Yes. Yeah. So this last question, um, you can repeat an answer if you want, but what's a hidden gem of the area that people might not even know about? For me, it is definitely that gardens. Yeah. I'm telling you, that is the coolest thing I they got like the koi pond. They just got, like, nice, the, like, relaxing the, the place to go garden area. and walk. I yep. think that is, for our community to have that, I think it's awesome. It is. And the trails are really cool. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice place to go, and you, it's just so open. Yeah. Right? Yep. I love it. Mo, what about you? Any Anything hidden that you think people should know about for Winchester? Um I would I I'll get back to restaurants. That's yes. kind of one of my Love favorite, favorite food. things. Restaurants I, I always, and kids. I yep. somehow always end up with wineries. So. Wineries, okay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so I think the two kind of kind of uh, that aren't maybe as known is right by our office is the tropical um, island cafe that has really yeah. good Jamaican food uh-huh. that I just love. The jerk chicken. Yeah, yep. is, is some of the best. And then Peru's chicken down. Them too. Uh, what's it in, across from Creekside, or I'm not sure if that's still considered Creekside, yep. but yep. Those, those are two of my favorite places that I've found those over the years. Good, I used those to are two good spots. literally across the street. Um, I mean, you walk out the door and walk right across the street, and we used to eat there all the time when yep. I worked in that office there. Yeah, no, it's that's good great. food. Mm-hmm. Love it. So well, can I do one more shout out? Then, of since course. We're talking about food. That's why so we're here. My guy that I order dinner from weekly is uh, Dine One One, Patrick Evans. So I've never heard of that. Yes, so you have to check it out. He okay. does a weekly meal, and you can order online. Yeah. Uh, the week before he puts a menu up generally on fridays he does yep. a weekly menu you can order one or two you drive down indian alley he does his pickup right there at bright box theater cool and it's pre-cooked or it's pre-cooked. fully cooked it's, it's fully cooked wow. it's ready to go all you have to do is take it home and heat it up so you don't have up. to it's, it's not just like getting the ingredients no, in a box no, it's, it's ready, like ready to go he does and he uses lots uh he uses lots of local uh-huh. um you know just different farms and local ingredients so that is a hidden to, gem there right go. there yeah, check it out because yep. that has saved uh me a yeah, lot. I just pick it up and go home for dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm, That's my kind of meal yeah, right there. There you go. You need to check it out, Mark. <laughs> Love it. Well, give us how can we contact you guys? Give us your, y'all's names again, company name, how they can best reach out to you guys and where you guys are. So we're on Braddock Street, 314 mm-hmm. North Braddock mm-hmm. Street, uh, right a block down from the Hanley Library. Uh, you can find us on the web. Uh, we both have LinkedIn pages, a Facebook page. Um, I'm Carrie Burkhart, and I have Jonathan Motichka here. Yep. Uh, we also call him Mo. You can also um, just check our website out and email us at our um, our general mail address, hwmail at hollowandwillis.com. And hollowandwillis is dot com, H-O-T-T-E-L. Correct. And Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. Yes. Dot com. Yes, it is. There you go. Well, you guys are amazing. This was fun. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being here. Awesome tips. Love it. Thanks, guys. Well, that was information overload, but needed. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) I laugh because I did invite them to come on right in the middle of tax season. And I was thinking, but it would be so helpful for a a buyer or a seller to know what to do and what to prepare during tax season. And they just laughed at me. Said, yeah, no, we're we're way too busy. Mm -hmm. I know too many accountants that they're like, don't talk to me until like 
the first, you know, the end of April. Yeah, April 15th. And so I, I referred to my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. It is hilarious because they both, um, they have two kids, and both kids were born right around April 15th. <laughs> I mean, they have a tax baby, and then the one other, I should probably know this, but is like only a couple days away. And it's it's just hilarious that like, I, I knew my, <laughs> this is another funny story, but so my wife, um, it's her brother who is the accountant, and she said that growing up, that they would play games. You know, you'd play house, and you know she would be the one who would go around and boss everybody around, and you know tell the the other friends what to do. And her brother would be okay when they're playing house. What do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, I'm the count the money. Or it was like when they're playing Monopoly, he's like, I'm going to count the money. Let me be the banker. You know, she said always growing up that he was the one that as a young, young kid <laughs> wanted to like handle the money. And mm-hmm. look, growing up, that's what he became. So I, I found it interesting to ask them, you know, what what got them into it. And it was just kind of a natural progression of what they liked, what they're drawn to. You know, I, I guess that's that's a good thing, right? You need no, people definitely. to like <laughs> their profession. And like what they're doing. And that's I, helpful. I did find it interesting that both of them actually graduated from Shepherd. Yeah. One from Shepherd College, obviously, before it became a university. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Jonathan from Shepherd University. But, yeah. So well, what, was your, what, was your, what was your takeaway? Was there something that really stood out to you? That's something that we like to ask here after interviews. I, I think the big thing was I was so just interested and in just kind of just sitting here listening as a mm-hmm. listener more so than uh-huh. a podcast yeah. host yeah. because it was really just great information. Um, and what really stuck was how much I don't know. Right. And I know you and I are both very good about telling yeah. our clients, you know, I am not a professional. I am not an attorney. I yep. am not a lawyer. I am a professional, but I'm a real estate agent, you know, reach out to those other people yep. with those questions. And sitting here, I realized how much um, I could benefit from having an actual an accountant. And I love how both of them said that they make it personal, mm-hmm. that it's not just numbers. They'd prefer that it's not so much transactional. You know, if they, they come to them, they'll do your taxes, but they prefer to actually have the relationships and, and build that's those the relationships. the beauty and, of what we do here is our podcast exactly. is to build the the sense of community and how Winchester is helping each other out. And yeah, lean on those professionals. Lean on the ones who know what they're doing. And I'm with you. I think what I learned is that what I don't know is okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay that I don't know these things. Lean on somebody who knows how to do it and do it well. And they will be looking out for my best interest. Just like as a realtor, we, we care about people and we care about people's best interest. They are doing what they can to, within the scope of the rules and the laws, find ways to where it's like, let's just say it. I mean, save us money. Exactly. Right? And and I am. I have a feeling I might be making a phone call, uh, <laughs> maybe first of the year. Like, okay, I've been my own accountant here for quite a few years. I actually, like I was mentioning, I, I, I like doing my taxes. I don't know what it is about it. It's kind of that um, ask a question, answer a question. You just fill in the blanks. I do yep. enjoy it. But I think having someone else that knows more than I do is going to be more beneficial to me. And sure. I, I can pass off that that thing that I kind of enjoy in a really weird way because nobody likes doing their taxes no. for some strange reason I do. So I have a feeling I'm going to be making a call and I might be Go getting myself it. a professional accountant. I think I think they're, they're a good crew I'm going to take there. my own so. advice that I tell my own clients. You <laughs> do know, it. 
find a professional accountant and I'm going to do it. Well, that's why we exist, to expose you guys, the listening audience, to all the different opportunities of, of what's going on here in the community and how it really impacts real estate and how it impacts the overall market, but how we can help you guys out um, who are listening. So Hot on Willis, definitely check them out, Carrie and Mo. So um, give us a quick update of what's happening. You know, we're we don't really have any time restraints here on our episodes, but just uh, as we wrap it up here, tell us what's happening in town. What should we be um, looking out for? Let's see. On Sunday, July 17th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., there is a large craft show and community day at the Winchester Jim Barnett Park. They are going to have over 60 vendors, music, food, um, food trucks, kid zones, a magician. Nice. Um, a smash it room. Don't know what a smash it room is, okay. but... Um, they're going to have free school supplies and free flip-flops to kids and teens. Um, it looks huh. like it's to maybe sponsor the um, Kevin Riley Foundation of Hope. Okay. And then on, the, um, let's see, we've got some another one that's a little farther away. That would be the 29th. Um, there is a steam show at the fairgrounds in Berryville again. Oh, um, so monster trucks have come and gone. Yep. And now trucks we've got a down. steam show. What is a steam show? What do you think I'm that is? I'm not sure. I Just don't know if they're going to have um, maybe some trains. Steam engines and steam stuff. Steam engines, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's $10 per person. Um, children are free, free parking. Oh, here we go. It's the Shenandoah Valley Steam and Gas Engine Association. There's oh, crafts, they're tractor pulls, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's tractor pulls, horse pull. Do, do horses create steam? I don't. I don't know. I, well, I guess. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to say no, what I was going to no, say. No. <laughs> it says they have bean soup, too. Yeah, bean soup, too. So they're going to have There's the steam you're things. thinking about, right? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting off the rails here with our steam. And, I'm trying not to say anything. Oh, uh, that's okay. So Clark County, they got things going on here. Yeah, Clark Love County it. does. And then, of course, the Jim Barnett Parks. So. Yep. Awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, Thanks again, Megan, and thank you guys for listening and joining us on today's episode of Iconic Talk. We know you learned something, so definitely take that away. Do what Megan's saying. Go find an accountant. And um, look forward to sharing more with you even next week on our next episode. And remember, when you're looking for a real estate professional, make sure they're experienced, innovative, personal, dedicated, and available. We appreciate you spending some of your valuable time with us. And if you have a moment, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review. And if you're enjoying listening, take a moment to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends. Share away. Until next time, think iconic. Like